Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Uh, feels good, you know. Uh, the point guards in this draft are really, really, really good and are special. But um, I don't think you can really look past anybody in this draft, uh, point guard or forward. It doesn't matter. I think this is a really good draft class and probably, you know, one of the better ones I've seen in the last couple of years. Everybody to the Lakers legacy, where now that we've got all that boring stuff out of the way, i.e. the NBA Finals, congrats to Katie and the Warriors, by the way. Sad shout out to Jose Calderon. Well, we can now move on to the real show. Peak smokescreen season for the 2017 NBA Draft, where everything you hear and read from now until draft day should be taken with a huge grain of kofefe. But the good news is, we're just a week away from the actual draft, so hold on to your Lonzo balls and strap in. Uh, (laughs) I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined once again by my co-hosts, Tommy Alexander and Alan Riley. We've also got special guest Daniel Cheon from the band Run River North with us, who we'll introduce in just a second. But yeah, here we are. A bunch of white noise and smoke being tossed around every which way. But luckily for us, we've got legit inside sources on the ground, making moves and doing some real heavy-duty investigating. Tommy, please explain. 
Well, this weekend I was at uh, the bungalow in Santa Monica. Me too. Alan was there as well. And okay. uh, we were just chilling, having a good time. Um, and all of a sudden, Alan is like, hey, dude, <laughs> I just saw this guy that looks just like D'Angelo Russell. And I was like, that's kind of like a like D'Angelo's got kind of like a weird look. You know what I mean? And then Alan was like trying to downplay it a little. He's just like, oh, you know, he just had like the braid. You know how D'Angelo's got like those braids or whatever. It kind of mm-hmm. it kind of looks similar to that. See, But he was wearing a hat, too. So I wasn't like 100% sure, but I saw like a couple of those little bead things sticking out. Those beady things. And then I was like, all right, dude, whatever. I mean, I guess that could be anybody. Like we we had had a lot to drink that day. So (laughs) (laughs) I really had to go pee at this moment, by the way. And I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, Alan's just like hallucinating or something. That's what I thought, too. (laughs) And then we go outside to where our friends are. And at the table next to where all of our friends were like chilling, Alan's like, Hey, dude, who's that right there? And I turn around and look, and it's D'Angelo Russell sitting right there at a table with, like, his posse, and they're all just chilling. You mean his friends. We don't use the word posse. Yeah, him and his friends. And we were just we were just about to leave, so we just kind of, like, I, I, like, gave him a really hard stare because I was like, is that actually him? I don't want to go up to a random dude and be like, are you D'Angelo Russell? And that would be super awkward if it wasn't him. But uh, it definitely was him, and if you follow follow him on Instagram... Yeah, dude, his picture looks like our picture. <laughs> yeah, he posted a couple pictures uh, of himself and his friends at the uh, at the bungalow at the table we saw him at the other day. And um, yeah, we walked by and we were like, D-Lo, you're going to have a huge ear. And uh, he was like, I appreciate it. And then we just left. <laughs> he appreciates us, guys. <laughs> and I really wanted to say... Lonzo Ball is only here to support you, my friend. He's not here to take advice. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but I, I couldn't get the words out. Didn't you say that your girlfriend went up to him and asked him, "Aren't you D'Angelo Russell?" Oh yeah. So right when they, right when we saw who they were, he was like, like mind you, this guy was clearly not trying to make a spectacle of himself. He was sitting there with like a hat on, and like sunglasses. They're tinted yellow, tinted yellow sunglasses. So like it was pretty hard to like tell who he was i thought and like nobody there recognized this guy it was so weird i was like how are we the only two people but um she walks up to him and she's like hey are you d'angelo russell and she kind of (laughs) like looks up like surprised like anybody's like recognizes him and doesn't even say anything and just like points to his friend (laughs) and then she's just like okay well i guess he i guess he doesn't want to talk so she just kind of walked away and then Tommy and I went up to him and we're like, we support you, man. We love you right after that. Yeah. Very nice. Um, did you ask him, uh, you know, your inside source. So did you ask him who the Lakers are about to draft? No. <laughs> great. <laughs> All right. Well, that's great. And if you want to see the picture, the stalkerish picture that Tommy took in between like two windows or columns or whatever of D'Angelo Russell at the bungalow, you can check our Twitter timeline at Lakers Legacy Pod. Uh, with that said, we're going to get into our show real quick here. But before we get started, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more Laker promises we'll hear the Lakers dole out from now till next Thursday to different prospects. So far, we got a promise out to Lonzo Ball, a promise out to Josh Jackson, a promise out to De'Aaron Fox, and a promise out to Tony Bradley for some reason for the number 28th pick. Who's next? Who knows? But please rate and review us on iTunes to find out. 
All right, so our next guest has been on this show before, and we are very happy to have him back because he used to be part of the band, the Nehemiah Band, who actually did our intro song, our first two intro songs for the first season and a half of our podcast. So he definitely was integral to our show. And now he's part of the band Run River North, who've been featured on such shows as the Seth Meyers show. They've been on Jimmy Kimmel. So they're pretty big and they're trying to make it even bigger. So please support them. And and we're going to listen to a clip from their song Run or Hide, which can be found on their album Drinking from a Salt Pond. So definitely check them out. Right, so that was Run River North, Run or Hide, and with that said, I'd like to bring on Daniel Che. Dan, how's it going, buddy? Hey, man, thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. So before we get started and get into all the draft hypotheticals and whatnot, why don't you tell us what you've been up to, what Run River North has been up to, and if you want to plug anything, go ahead and do that for you guys. Yeah, dude, uh, we we are, we released our record last year. Wow, it's been a year. We're still touring the record. And uh, we're about to go back out on tour this Sunday. So hope to catch you on tour. You can find our dates at runrivernorth.com. And for the LA locals, you guys have a show coming up this Friday, the 16th, correct? Mm-hmm. At the Belasco, but I think it's sold out. So ah. uh, that yeah, I'm sorry. It's all good. Uh, so what's your Twitter handle and what's Run River North's? Run River North is just at Run River North for me. It's just at Daniel Che, and it's usually me um, ranting about the Lakers or something. <laughs> so it's definitely worth a check out, yeah. Hey, that you're in the right demographic here. Um, so, you know, our last episode was probably our best episode with Lonzo Ball's former— Yeah, it was lit. With former Chino Hills basketball coach and Lonzo Ball's former coach, Steve Bake. And I was thinking for this episode, I was like, man, how do we follow that up? I have no idea how to follow that episode up. And for a second, I was like, we got to have another guest, like a really good guest or whatever. And I was like, you know what? Let's get another Korean-American, Daniel Che, on this show because he's a rock star and and that's it. That's my only rationale. And so, Dan, we're glad to have you on. I thought we just kind of oh, keep man. thought we just kind of keep it easy. I know you have a lot of a lot to live up to. Coach Bake shoes are are pretty big to fill, but you know what? I believe in you, so let's let's do this and let's just get into this. So let's do it. All right, before we get into the draft stuff, I kind of wanted to do a Coach Bake post mortem. And Dan, what were your thoughts from our last podcast with Coach Steve Bake? And I guess leading into this last week, where did you stand on the Lonzo Ball stand scale? Who was on your vague slash general big board? And if you weren't already sold before our interview with Coach Bake, are you more sold now? Oh man, the the last podcast was was great. I thought his insight on his character and leadership was pretty astounding. Like that, that really felt like an inside look. Like I wish, I, like I imagine that's what what the Laker execs probably see. And so mm-hmm. that was really cool. I mean, before that, I had actually been following Lonzo for the last two years i'd say there's this youtube channel called baller visions and it's like 
only it only follows Chino Hills. And so <laughs> I've seen many, many hours of Lonzo playing basketball. It's just that YouTube uh deep, deep rabbit hole that, that you you know, you can, you, you lose yourself in. Mm-hmm. But I'm a fan. I mean, I followed him in UCLA. I mean, he was probably the only college basketball I watched and man, I'm Team Lonzo for sure. Okay. All right. Well, I guess real quick before I get to the other guys, like what what jumps out of the page for you for Lonzo? And how do you think um, he'll fit in with the Lakers? He's got range, um, but besides that, I know. I mean, the, yeah, I, I've heard it all. I've read it all. I mean, I, I, his weaknesses are he can't create. You know, he brings his shot up to his left shoulder and all that. But I think he adds value to a team and. It seems like the Lakers need just somebody with vision and somewhere that could spread the ball and push the ball, and I think that's him. Cool. All right, Alan, what's your postmortem on our interview with Coach Bake and your your thoughts on Lonzo, even though you were already a huge fan before that? Yeah, I mean, at the end of it, I just think, and this is like proverbial kind of coach speak, he makes his teammates better, you know? But, but really for him, like, that is his number one goal, is to get everyone on the team as involved as possible to make sure that they're playing at their peak. And then, you know, as far as priorities go, his own production from a a points, you know, standpoint is very low. Um, And I think culturally that really does fit with what the Lakers are trying to do, what Luke Walton's looking for, the type of player Magic Johnson was. And then the awesome thing is if Lonzo does need to kind of take things into his own hands, you know, it seems like he's capable due to the fact that he can really extend the offense out far beyond the uh, NBA three-point line. Um, clearly, there are some things that we just don't know yet as far as how he'll be in the pick and roll, whatever. But you got to think that his basketball IQ and his instincts and his, uh, you know, his physical strengths are going to help him there. So at the end of it, I just think everyone on this team is going to have if he comes here, inflated stats, which is good for everyone. And uh, if I were playing basketball with him, I would be having a lot of fun. Cool. Uh, Tommy, what about you? I know you were already on the verge of getting lit for Lonzo, but what did that Coach Bake interview do for you last week? Yeah, I think it just uh, was really interesting to see. There's so much analysis online, um, breaking down this guy's clips from games and stuff like that. And Obviously, you hear his dad all over the TV all the time. Um, but to hear to hear just like inside stories about what this kid was like when he was 14 and he was like not even in the spotlight and some of the stuff that Coach Bake said that Lonzo was thinking about and, and that he was doing at that time are just like amazing. You know, like you can't teach that. You can't teach a kid <coughs> like uh, make the right play and then your teammate screws it up, and the very next play, tell him in the timeout, I'm coming right back to you for the same play to win the game. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. That's like some Michael Jordan to Steve Kerr stuff in the finals. You know? And how and how old was he when he did that? He was 14 when he exactly. did that. That's insane. You know, so I don't, I'm not saying that means he's like, you know, I'm sure there are other players who've done that who are like working at a supermarket now, but, <laughs> you know, that doesn't mean he's like a great player. I'm just saying that it was really interesting to, like we we I guess what I'm trying to say is like we can break down the skills as much as we want, but that character aspect plays such a big role in the in development, and 
And uh, for that reason, I thought it was really cool to get that perspective. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I obviously out of the three of us was the the biggest skeptic on Lonzo. But man, after that interview with Coach Bake, I was like, all in, lit for Lonzo. Let's go. We got to make this happen. You know, (laughs) you know, Coach Bake's speech at the end where he was like, you know, when LeBron James won for Cleveland and he was like, Cleveland, I was like, oh, Lonzo's got to do that for L.A. I was like, I'm all in. We got to make the hometown kid stay here and win, win a chip for his city, his town. So, yeah, I was definitely all in. Um, But since then, obviously, Lonzo Ball has had his actual workout with the Lakers and a bunch of draft scuttlebutt and rumors have been flying around and we're going to get to that right now. So yeah, what do we make of all this stuff that's flying around? Since then, Lonzo Ball has worked out with the Lakers. Josh Jackson has worked out with the Lakers twice. One, a group workout in Sacramento. And then today in the Lakers facility, I believe it was for one-on-one, Dennis Smith Jr. has come in. De'Aaron Fox worked out with the Lakers as well. And now we hear that Markel Fultz is going to work out mm. with the Lakers on Thursday. Dun, dun, dun. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. Okay, so yeah, what do we make about all this? Because now we're also hearing that, you know, Lakers may have promised Josh Jackson, <laughs> you know, the number two pick because he's not working out with the Boston Celtics. We also hear that maybe the Lakers weren't too high on Lonzo Ball's workout. With that said, you know, Lonzo Ball is still the only person, only prospect that the Lakers have taken out for dinner. Granted, that dinner was before the actual workout, but they also took him out to lunch right after the workout. And he's still the only prospect to actually meet with Genie. So I thought we could start with the initial premise of smoke screening, particularly in the, particularly in the case of Lonzo Ball. The, the biggest question for, I think, a lot of fans is, is this a smokescreen? And if it is a smokescreen, why is there so much Lonzo Ball smoke? We also heard that the Lakers are hoping to schedule a second workout with Lonzo. Um, there are four thing, four points I want to hit up um, in terms of why are the Lakers even doing this if, if this is indeed a smokescreen. One, I think they're doing this to make it optically look like they really did their due diligence on all the prospects and didn't solely feed into the Lonzo hype so that if and when they do draft Lonzo, it will be perceived as a pick made on solely merit alone. Number two, they might be doing this to dissuade Boston from even thinking about taking a look at Lonzo if they know Ainge is even slightly intrigued. Because let's remember, since he's not working out for them, pumping down how high you are on Lonzo Ball as the only team that's worked him out so far as the Lakers, that would really cause Boston to lose interest if they were even thinking about poaching. Number three, they could be doing this to simply gauge the trade value of not only Ball, but other prospects to see what they can get in a trade down. If they see Ball, Josh Jackson, and Dennis Smith Jr. on a level playing field, then it would make total sense to see what you can get if you trade down to the number four spot, because at that spot, you'd essentially be getting, quote unquote, one of your guys plus an additional asset. Obviously, Phoenix is in the number four spot. If they trade down with Phoenix, what if they get a a Dragon Bender along with the number four spot and get either Dennis Smith Jr., Josh Jackson, or Alonzo Ball, right? And... Also, the Sacramento Kings have the number five and number 10 pick. If they give you those picks and you can still get one of those guys, would the Lakers consider that? That could be a reason why they're sending out these smoke signals. Mm -hmm. Um, And also keep in mind that if they get an additional lotto pick in this draft, in the case of trading down for the number four and Dragon Bender or the number five and number 10 with Sacramento, Palinka might be looking at this second asset and saying, well, I can still get a Dennis Smith Jr., a Josh Jackson, 
or a Lonzo Ball, but also use that second asset that I that I gain to then ship off for Paul George, you know? Because Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson might not cut it, but if I add a number ten pick or a Dragon Bender to that package, maybe then I can maybe I can get all everything that I want. The best of both worlds. I get a top five prospect plus Paul George. Lastly, number four, they just also might legitimately really like Josh Jackson or Dennis Smith Jr. a lot and have some decisions to make. So those are the four thoughts running into in, in my head right now with regards to Lonzo Ball smoke screening and why, if they want a second workout, why don't they just tell Lonzo Ball, hey, we want you to work out? Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts on what you guys think of this entire scenario, whether it's getting convoluted and murky for you guys. I actually think of all the four points, none of these are mutually exclusive, right? They all could be operating in concert. So if that's the case, you know, all this talk and all this quote-unquote smokescreen stuff, to me, it makes a ton of sense. So I guess, Tommy, I'll start with you. What, what do you make of all this Lonzo Ball stuff, Josh Jackson promises, um, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. being in here, Markel Fultz all of a sudden getting a workout? You know, I think this has been the, yeah, the murkiest we've ever had a draft. This has definitely been the weirdest lottery uh, draft situation that we've experienced, um, even going back to like Randall's uh, draft year. I honestly have no idea. I really like the way you summed it all up there. It pretty much could be any of those things you said. It could be a combination of a lot of them. The reason I don't think, although I like, because I like Lonzo so much and I want him to be the pick, I want to think it's the one, the the fact that you said about like, or the theory that you had about like, um, oh, maybe they don't want to pump up Lonzo too much or make it like too obvious that they're trying to take him because he's not working out for Boston and they're worried Boston might snipe him. As much as I love Lonzo, Markel Fultz to me is clearly the best player in the draft. So like, it's not like Bonzo, uh, Bonzo. Boston's going <laughs> to Bonzo. It's not like Boston's going to go Bonzo and take Lonzo <laughs> number one. And then, uh, and then like bank on us being so desperate for him that we're going to trade another asset to, no, we're just going to take faults in that situation, you know? So I don't think it's that. Um, beyond that, I honestly have no idea what they're doing. I have, I don't know if it's like they want to keep themselves like, you know, they, they want to, if somebody's like really, really, really into Josh Jackson, if they want to keep open, like the possibility of a trade, like, I don't know if they heard something out of Philly's camp that Philly is like all in on Josh Jackson or and they're like, okay, well, now we're going to make a little noise with Josh Jackson and see if Philly like gets nervous and, and uh, you know, tries to offer something to move up to take him. Um, I honestly have no idea. It's, it's super weird. Palenka magic, it, new front office. I have no idea what the hell they're doing. My best theory, actually, and this is a huge stretch, I think. But my only theory was that Palenka is trying to create, and if if this is true, so we haven't had a word, you tweeted this, I think, just like maybe an hour ago. Mm-hmm. Markel Fultz is the first number one prospect, projected number one pick that we're going to work out in like the entire time that we've been a lottery team. Um, My only theory here is that Palenka was like trying to just make so much noise and cause so much confusion about like, the hype between Lonzo and then the hype between Jackson and even like Dennis Smith Jr. and like and Fox and all these guys that like just to create confusion long enough to where Danny Ainge isn't going to commit to Mar- taking Mark Kelfold's number one. And 
once you get to a certain threshold, right? Like the draft is in nine days. Like once you pass a certain point, Markel Fultz is going to have to start covering his bases and working out for other teams. And clearly Boston has not promised him the number one, right? Cause he's just scheduled to work out with us on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So it's like, in my opinion, if I'm magic and I'm Palenka and I'm thinking, what is the only chance I have of getting this guy? Like assuming they have him projected number one, like everybody else and they're choosing number two, the only chance they have to get this guy is if they can, is if they can convince Boston that maybe they shouldn't com- commit to him number one, and then they can bring him in for a workout and then they can try to sell this guy on Los Angeles and then just pray to God that he's so sold by this meeting that he just tells his agent, like, look, I don't want to go to Boston. I want to be the guy in LA because of X, Y, and Z reasons. And then they have to like orchestrate some kind of Kobe Bryant stuff where like, he, uh, you know, his agent just straight up tells Danny Ainge, look, he doesn't want to play for you. He wants to go to the Lakers. Like, you better work somebody else out. You know what I mean? Like, I, I acknowledge that's really grasping at straws. And that's probably not what's happening because the amount of tampering involved there is like so high. And although Palinka is just like a few months removed from being an agent, I don't think I, I don't even think he's willing to go that far in terms of tampering. But that was like my only explanation. Get get Mark, get yourself in the room with Markel Fultz and then give him the hard sell on why he should be more interested in being a Laker than he should be in being the number one pick. Right. And I think on top of that, you know, on Boston's end, why they haven't given Markel Fultz a promise or anything like that. Another theory could be that at the end of the day, this just might be Boston making it known that they are open to potentially trading down for the right price. Right. So they, maybe they've opened Fultz up for workouts to other teams. And even though that percentage may be ridiculously low, let's say it's 2% that they're willing to do that. It's still higher than in previous drafts where guys like Ben Simmons or Carl Towns would be pretty much untouchable. So in this case, you know, we've heard that even Sacramento Kings were considering a workout with Markel Fultz and Markel Fultz was open to that. So, Judging by that, I think maybe Boston has let it leak that, hey, for the right price, if you're going to give us a, a bunch of additional assets, we like enough people in the top five to trade down and give up Fultz. And so this may be one of those scenarios. We don't really know. With that being said, Dan, I'll turn it over to you. And I guess to make this more organized, I guess, what do you think about all this Lonzo smoke in general? But we can also start with my number one point. What do you also think about the theory that the Lakers may just be doing this and, you know, letting it leak that, you know, they're that they are not so high on Lonzo Ball like everybody thinks. What do you think about them doing that in order to make it optically look like they really did their due diligence on all the prospects so that if and when they do draft Lonzo, it will be perceived as a pick made solely on merit and not because he was the hometown kid, not because LeVar Ball was telling them to do so and speaking it into existence, but they said, (laughs) hey, we did everything we could. We studied up on all these players, and at the end of the day, he is the best prospect. Yeah, I think you summed it up beautifully. Um, the way I see it is like, I mean, this is definitely a, a smokescreen. It's it's like a power play for sure because um, all the Lakers really have to worry about is Boston, correct? Because mm-hmm. Boston is the only, you know, they're picking ahead of the Lakers. And so I feel like they're playing Lonzo's, uh, what is it, commitment to only work out for Lakers as an advantage because Boston can't work him out. Mm -hmm. They can send out the smokescreen. I mean, and it's even worse that Boston didn't commit 
or like give Fultz the number one commitment. And right. now he's working out for the Lakers. Like all of this is just playing through the hands of the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, like if it came down to it, I would not mind Markel Fultz, you know, <laughs> at number two. And so I think, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they're thinking. They, they probably like Lonzo, but I don't think the Lakers would mind either of the two. And so I think it's really smart that they're doing this. Um, if, other offers from Sacramento comes into the Lakers. That's that works for the Lakers too, because you know in in today's NBA rookie contracts are so valuable. Mm-hmm. Like they could use those contracts like a four and a ten to trade for a Paul George or something. So I think I think it's really smart maneuvering on Palenka and Magic's part. What do you think about the theory that maybe they're also doing this to keep Lonzo Ball on his toes? Because you know two years ago we had this scenario where. Okafor thought he was a Laker. He was saying stuff in the interviews. He was using the, you know, he was saying, we are going to do this. We're going to win as if he was already a Laker. What do you think about them doing this to make sure that Lonzo Ball stays, you know, I guess, um, yeah, competitive on edge and maybe also wanting to bring him in for a second workout and commit to a group workout because he only did a solo workout at the beginning. Exactly. I mean, I think they're just being really smart and, you know, this is kind of keeping Lonzo in check. This is kind of keeping his dad in check. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I, I applaud everything going on. I'm, I'm all for no, it. No, the dad in check part is, is pretty big. So that, that's you're, you're totally correct because he is Lonzo Ball's agent. Um, Alan, what do you think about all this stuff? And I guess which theory do you like to rest your case with, even though all four could be working at the same time in their favor? Uh, I like the due diligence one for mm-hmm. sure. I think, um, you know, Rob Palinka and Magic are very intelligent. They aren't going to take anything for granted. So they're going to go and do their work as thoroughly as they possibly can and not assume anything. You know, like what if Boston does suddenly get high on Lonzo, even though he didn't work out for them? Well, we better be very thorough with our research and check everybody out to the fullest extent. So I think that's first and foremost. And then, the smoke screening, the motivating Lonzo even further to continue working hard, etc. I think those are all byproducts of them simply doing their jobs. Um, but as far as I think one of the points that you made was really good was that Lonzo's the only one we've taken out to dinner. Lonzo's also the only one we've taken out to lunch. Um, I'm sure they could make those arrangements with all the other guys, and apparently that hasn't happened yet. And it's not like the odds of that happening later than their workouts are very high because these guys have to get back to wherever they're coming from. So to me, that's something that is actually a pretty big deal. Um, but yeah, I, I do like all four points that you made. I, I do like Tommy's <laughs> as well. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. At the end of the day, I, I would give it a 57% chance that the Lakers do take Lonzo. Um, Ooh, that's pretty low, dude. That's crazy. Yeah. It was like 80%, right? Last week, pretty much. Especially after Coach Bake's interview, we were like, oh man, Lakers definitely talked to Coach Bake. I mean, for me personally, I'm very, very, very high. Oh, you yeah. know? But it's just as far as them. Yeah, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say what I just said. I was going to say like 65, and then I took it down a little bit. But um, just the fact that they are taking a look at so many guys and they are keeping their options open. And I mean, what if some team does say, hey, we'll trade you this and that? You know, Palinka and Magic probably would not be anticipating that. Mm-hmm. And now that that scenario has arisen, it's like, well, shoot, we better go, like, really be thorough here um, in our our research. So, yeah, that's my take. 
I think uh, I just wanted to add, I think we can all generally agree still, though, that like clearly this is some sort of smoke, right? Because the Lakers aren't stupid, right? Sometimes when stuff gets quote unquote leaked, I just think it's so funny. Like some of what, what, what do you think is happening at this? You know, it's like there are five people or six people in the Lakers front office who were kind of privy to these decisions. Do you think one of them just like left their cell phone out with like all these notes or like, do you think one of them accidentally was in the bathroom stall and like was talking too loud to like their friend and a reporter overheard, you know, it, if, if something is getting quote unquote leaked, it's because somebody wants it to be leaked. Yeah, it's so, intentional for sure. So yeah, so clearly there's some sort of, especially with a new front office and like a new PR person, like they're trying to, they're trying to manipulate the media. So this happens every year, but it hasn't really happened with the Lakers because we've sort of <laughs> stayed out of that stuff. So I think that's why it's straight edge, Mitch. Exactly. So that's why it's a little bit even weirder this year. But clearly there's I don't know. I You know, we can go on and on and on about what the actual intention of the smoke is, but it's it's intentional for some reason. OK, well, how about let's do this? Let's go around and I want to ask you guys this week as opposed to last week, what is your feeling of confidence in the fact that, you know, I think Alan just said, you know, he's 57% and we can go around and, and share what we think. Um, because obviously this past week, you know, guys like Eric Pincus are tweeting out, I just have a gut feeling that the Lakers aren't as high on Lonzo as we thought they were. And obviously Kevin Ding posted in his article, you know, he wasn't that impressive in his workout. Um, it's also been stated though, that the Lakers are not going to base their pick solely off of the workouts, which makes total sense. Yeah, and I the- have a beef with the workout thing because it's like, what exactly are they doing by themselves? You know, like how much can you glean from that? Right. And that's why it might be a smokescreen to get him in for like a group workout. Right. So they have a better um, sense of like what he can do, especially Lonzo Ball, who likes to pass to people. Um, but obviously, what do you guys also think about Josh Jackson and the the rumor by this Phoenix beat reporter that the Lakers have given a promise to Josh Jackson at number two, even though the, that beat reporter himself stated that because Josh Jackson didn't canceled his workout with Boston, it might be the Lakers or the Sixers that gave him a promise. So Dan, I'll start with you. Do you believe this rumor at all? Do you believe that there is a quote unquote promise or do you just think this Phoenix beat reporter is connecting the dots and just giving his literal, his gut reaction to it. I don't know. It could be a leak. I mean, that the Lakers top brass put out, I don't know, maybe they want some picks from Phoenix or maybe they want, I don't know. I see a scenario where they could technically draft Josh Jackson. So what Lonzo at two trade for Jackson and a pick or something like that. I don't know. Maybe he heard something. I have no idea what's going on. That That's a new one for me. Mm, okay. So before I, I move on from you, though, I guess what's your confidence level in the Lakers uh, really taking Lonzo Ball? Has it dropped since pretty much last week? Not at all. This is all – I mean, media has to sell paper. So, I mean, <laughs> I think this is keeping everyone interested. It's definitely keeping me interested. I'm watching – way too many hours of college highlights and so <laughs> um, but I think I'm pretty like you said I, I think the, the Lakers probably saw something in who are in in Lonzo or whoever they end up drafting not based off their work yeah it's got to be something that their scouts brought up it's got to be something in the numbers and so I I wouldn't put too much value on these workouts yeah for sure um Tommy what do, what do you think about this Josh Jackson, the promise. Yeah, I think it's clearly just 
BS. I mean, this it started as this guy just blindly speculating, and then people started to take it seriously. But then it's like instead of just clarifying that he was trying to connect the dots, it's like he doubled down and he was like, "Oh no, actually, you're right. I know that he has a promise. You know what I mean?" But it's like, okay, if he had a promise, he wouldn't have worked out a second time because he. This guy said he had a promise before he worked out a second time. He wouldn't have. We wouldn't have scheduled Markel Fultz for you know Thursday. <laughs> We wouldn't have scheduled. We're not. We're in the process of scheduling Lonzo Ball for a second workout this week. Some at some point. Uh, we don't know if we're going to work out De'Aaron Fox again. Um, but it's just ridiculous, right? Like, there's no way they made a promise this early in the. Pro- I know it's this early. I mean, the draft is in nine days, but to me, there's no way they made a promise. And also, that's not to say, even though Josh Jackson canceled his workout with Boston, that he's not going to reschedule it, right? Because he just came from Sacramento right. and he's going to L.A. If in between that he had to go to Boston, that's a huge trip to make out, you know? So it's like, let me cancel my Boston workout first, do this workout with LA, and then we'll see how my schedule pans out. So that's literally all it could be. I don't even think he's worked out with Philadelphia. Philadelphia may have been at the group workout. Who knows? Um, But yeah, before we move on, Alan, how would you respond to this? If the Lakers are so confident in Lonzo Ball, why are they asking him to come in for a second workout? Well, I don't think it's ever a bad thing to get another look, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, again, we don't really know what they did at that first one. It sounded like essentially a lot of conditioning with shooting involved as well. Um, I mean, there's the infamous Kobe Bryant workout against Michael Cooper type thing. What if they want to do something insane like that for Lonzo? Um, even if you're completely sold on him, again, I just, I don't think a person should read between the lines too much in a negative way. Um, for them to bring him in a second time. So, I mean, if and if I'm Lonzo, actually, I want to do that second workout. You know what I mean? Just to show them even more. Um, and I think that will show them a little bit more about his character, too, to see how like hard he really brings it that day. So if I'm reading into it at all, um, I, I wouldn't stray too far negatively or positively. Gotcha. All right, cool. So we're going to move on to Josh Jackson in just a second. And I'm sorry, guys, because we're kind of going all over the place here. and It's kind of convoluted. But I guess there's one point out of the four that I initially brought up that I wanted to also touch upon because it seems like we've touched upon uh, pretty much everything else. And um, it's the number three point, gauging the trade value of the number two pick and, and the trade down. So Tommy, I wanted to get your thoughts on that theory that what if Palenka really does think you know, Lonzo Ball, Josh Jackson, and Dennis Smith Jr. are on a pretty much level playing field. And if they aren't, they're pretty close to each other. And what would the merits be in potentially seeing if Phoenix would give up more than, you know, give up an additional asset to just move up and get their guy, which presumably would be Josh Jackson. Or maybe they even really like Lonzo Ball to pair with uh, Devin Booker, especially because Eric Bledsoe doesn't seem to be part of their future. What do you think about that? And then not only maybe keeping that number, another asset, whether that's Dragon Bender, another Phoenix pick, or the Sacramento number 5 and 10, but even also using that pick to also get Paul George so the Lakers can have their pie or cake and eat it too, whatever the hell that phrase is. Tommy. So the only trade down situation that makes sense to me is if we traded for the uh, Sacramento's five and 10, uh, only because like we could theoretically use the five and like a Paul George trade and then still hang on to the number 10 to get like a stretch big man or something. Um, that kind of makes sense to me. Beyond that, I don't buy 
this any theories not just this year but any year where somebody's like oh well what if the front office or whoever the scouts or whoever have like four guys in the top six all rank the same i just that is never true and if that is true then that means your scouts need to like get a little more decisive because when you're picking at number two, I know this year is a little weird and like especially people were like, oh, two to seven is super murky. I think there's maybe two guys or three guys who could legitimately be considered for number two. And you just have to do your diligence and make a selection. I highly I mean, again, I obviously I could be wrong, but if you think that Lonzo Wall, Josh Jackson, Dennis Smith Jr., De'Aaron Fox, like four guys are exactly the same in the two to six range. I just, I feel like something's wrong with that picture. Um, so I don't know, maybe it is, but for, I, I just feel like Mitch used to say stuff like this all the time. Uh, he used to say like, don't it's people have asked him in the past about trading down. And he's like, you don't want to get too cute with that kind of stuff on draft day because you have no idea who's going to be there. You trade down to number four and the best player available might be Jason Tatum, who you've never worked out or like never had an interview with. And I just don't think like that's that's the route that they're going to take. I think that it's so rare to get a top three pick in the NBA and your chances of landing a star like exponentially decrease the farther you get from pick number one. So if you have the number two, you just need to sit down and decide who's the second best player and just take that guy. So I think that's more likely than they're going to trade down and try to get another asset. Unless like you're literally trading for two picks in a draft that you've already worked out. Like it's one thing to do that. It's another thing to me to trade down to number four and then get like dragon bender. Who's a guy that your organization might have no familiarity with. I don't recall them working him out last year. Maybe they did, but I don't recall that they did. And I just think that's so much more risky or even like you mentioned, Eric Bledsoe. I just, I don't think that those are the types of moves they're they're going to be thinking about making because I don't know. It's like I said, high draft picks are so valuable, and if you have your guy at number, but I don't know, dude. This is I mean, I'm confusing myself as I talk with all this smoke because I'm just like I don't know. The smoke stuff is like maybe they did Dennis Smith Jr. is their number two guy on their board. I I I think I view this all with through the lens of Lonzo is actually their number two, so it's like it's confusing to me, but I don't know. Without going too far down the rabbit hole, I think the short answer to your question is I, I don't think that that's what they're going to do. So you actually would trade the number five instead of the number 10? Because in my theory, I was always like, well, they would trade down to get five and 10 because they know De'Aaron De- De- Fox, Dennis Smith Jr. or Josh Jackson are going to still be there at five and they can get their guy while also using the number 10 as part of a Paul George package. You know what I mean? I Yeah, I mean, I, I feel that too. I just sort of assumed... If you're going to trade for Paul George, you're going to have to give up the number five. If all we had to give up was the number 10 and like Julius Randle or something, then I mean, fine, then that's even better. But if yeah, I mean, if if you can trade down, get Paul George and still keep the number five, that's pretty insane. But I again, I just don't think there's so many variables that would have to, you know, Indiana would have to. I guess they're already working out people in that range because they have like the 415 or something. So maybe they they don't really need to do more diligence on the number 10. But I mean, Indiana would have to commit to we're going to trade Paul George and we know we're going to do it. And there's just so many moving parts at play there that I just 
I can't see that happening. And and without a guarantee that that's going to happen, I can't see them trading down just for the possibility that this might happen in the future. Sure. Okay, so um, we're in the business of going down these rabbit holes just so we're prepared. So let's say that they do have Lonzo Ball. Let's take Lonzo Ball out. Let's say they have Josh Jackson, Dennis Smith Jr., and for some reason, I don't know why, De'Aaron Fox on the same uh, sort of spectrum. Dan, would you be okay with trading down knowing that you can get one of those three guys at number four and then an additional asset like Dragon Bender or whoever from Phoenix just to have more toys to play with? I think that's a question of like, are you playing, are you building for the short term or the long term? I feel like, you know, there's only a couple superstars in every draft and I don't know. I think you gotta, if you, if you are building for the long term, you gotta, you gotta, uh, take the risk and draft Lonzo or Markel. But if you're trying to trade for Paul George, he'd probably want to win now. And so it would make more sense to have more assets. Uh, mm-hmm. Even if it's not a pick this year, if it's like a pick ne- like a first round next year, like I know teams would want that mm-hmm. uh, because their contract is so cheap. And so, I think it's more of a question of, yeah, do you want to build in the short term or the long term? And I think it seems like Lakers are prepared for all situations. And so I applaud them for that. But if you were to ask me, I would just draft Lonzo. Um, I think he would make the team better. I feel like if the team is better, then it would naturally attract superstars instead of gutting the entire team for... You know, Paul George, who is, uh, you know, entering the probably the, the second half of his career. And so that's just what I think. I'm open to anything. I hope uh, the Lakers draft Lonzo. No, that's a good point. And, you know, Lonzo Ball might even amplify the trade value somehow of Luau Dang and Mozgov. Who knows? <laughs> then they become tradable assets. I'm not, uh, you know, holding my breath for that one. But, Alan, your thoughts on a possible trade down if, if, it, if it were the case that they have these guys on a similar spectrum? Yeah, I wouldn't really be into that. <laughs> um, it, it's funny that Dan said, you know, you don't want to gut the team. It, it would almost feel like if we took a Dennis Smith Jr. or – um, you know, someone else within that range that we value equally, if we took one of them instead of Lonzo, it would almost feel like we we gutted part of our team because we didn't get Lonzo. You know what I'm saying? Um, like It would feel like a loss just not to have him at all if we had the opportunity to take him. Um, so, I mean, I, I understand the appeal for sure of, uh, you know, adding more assets, but at the end of it, if you have a chance to take someone who's a once in a generation type player, potentially, um, I think you have to roll with that and, you know, maybe not get too cute. Um, I understand that this front office probably doesn't want to be the super conservative Mitch Kupchak style, but, uh, they are also very intelligent. So I don't know, man, at the end of it, thank God I'm not in that position and I'm just going to trust them. Sure. No, and I think, you know, it's good that all of us are open here, but I think we're still working under the paradigm that Lonzo Ball is the surefire pick for them after, uh, based off of what they saw, when that might not be the case, you know? Now they've had Josh Jackson come in, now they've had Dennis Smith Jr. come in, and it's very possible that 
they might like Josh Jackson slightly more. You know, they're just working out the kinks everywhere else in terms of his attitude and what they think he can work on and fix on regarding his weaknesses, you know? So if that's the case, then this would make sense, you know? Um, so with that said, let's move on to the final point, number four. What if they just legitimately also like Josh Jackson and have a, have a serious decision to make? Um, Dan, I'll start with you. What if... Let's go under this hypothetical. What if Josh Jackson is the pick? How are you feeling about Josh Jackson? And what do you think about his game? Uh, before you start, though, I want to kind of give a little spiel on Josh Jackson because I think Josh Jackson right now has suffered from being the quote-unquote boredom pick. He has become the default. He had the highest upside at number two or number three for a while. And now I feel like people are bored with him. And because we've had so much time from you know the end of March Madness till now... People have had way too much time to dissect and pick a, pick apart this guy's game when pretty much it was consensus like this guy could be a number two pick and he could have the highest ceiling in the draft. And for me, I'm not sure what exactly has changed since March because there's no basketball that's been played. So for me, it's like nothing has changed from now till then, from then till now, I mean. And, you know, I feel like at this point, there are too many narratives going on, people reading too much into things because they had so much time, saying they studied more tape on Josh Jackson. But if you really studied more tape on Josh Jackson, I feel like people would realize Josh Jackson improved his three-point shot, his one big weakness over the second half of the season, and you know was shooting 40% from three-point land to raise his average from like 32% to 38% by season's end. So if they were actually studying more tape, he actually improved the one thing people were asking him to improve. So in my opinion, I, I, I don't know what else he could have done, and yet we're picking him apart, and for some reason we're slotting him down. You know, Even though you know Tommy, me, and Alan were talking about, man, this guy could be the best player in the draft, and we're okay at number two picking this guy. So I honestly feel like it's just we've had too much time to, to dig ourselves into these rabbit holes. Um, for me, at the end of the day, he pretty much did everything you could possibly ask someone to do. Yet for some reason, he's no longer worthy of having potentially the highest ceiling in the, in the class because people are reading too much into his holes and all that stuff. But really, there's nothing else he could have done. He shot 40% to close the season. And if he can continue progressing that way, then who knows what will happen. And obviously, after his workout, second workout today, um, we hear that the Lakers were very impressed with not only this workout, but also the last workout in Sacramento. And he really had a, he got, really gave a strong impression in their minds. So... Um, Dan, what are your thoughts on Josh Jackson? Um, I mean, I haven't seen too much footage on him, but I, I would just say no. I mean, the little footage that I have seen, his, I mean, he, he's a shooting guard. Right? He's a shooting guard, small forward. Um, I, I feel like the Lakers already have already drafted for that. Isn't Ingram will play three or four. Um, and if he plays two or three and doesn't, you know, isn't lights out from three point range or can't extend the floor. I don't know. I feel like just you're just overloading on spots that the Lakers don't need. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully, this is a smokescreen. Hopefully, this is just luring Sacramento into offering this beautiful package that could come. But if it was just straight up Josh, I would. That's the one guy I would not. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I mean, but I haven't, you know, I haven't followed his game. So my opinion means absolutely nothing. <laughs> also, um, my girlfriend mentioned uh, the Lakers shouldn't draft him because he, uh, what is it, copied Josh Jackson's 
Josh Jackson from Dawson's Creek. What? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, the actor. Like, that's right. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. That that was pretty random, but hey, no, that's pretty fair. That's, had to throw that's... that in there. So if she if she's not a fan, I can't be a fan either. Hey, that's fair. Uh, Tommy, what about you? Yeah, there was a period of time, like I don't know. We talked about it probably at some point uh, on the show, but like around the middle of the college season where I was all aboard Josh Jackson's train, I was like, we got to take this guy. He's improving as a shooter and, and uh, Kansas was doing well. And he was just like dunking on people. He looked insane, but I don't know. I still would, it. I would, I, I think I would be disappointed if we took him. It would definitely take some convincing and I don't think for me it's a case of just being bored with how solid he is. I think he's a he's a solid defender with potential to be a great defender. Um, I am concerned because especially after what we just saw in the finals where like you need guys at every single position who have who have like certain skills and two very important skills to have are shooting and ball handling and those are like josh jackson's two biggest weaknesses like i know we need defense also but in a way like lonzo ball for example not to keep bringing it back to him but he like fill he plugs two holes he's he's an extra ball handler and he's a really good shooter josh jackson yeah he can play some defense but i don't know i have concerns about how well his defense is going to translate because i like his size i think his length is okay but I don't know if it's good enough for him to play power forward in the NBA. Um, I have concerns about him in the pick and roll game. I know people are concerned about Lonzo in the pick and roll, but if you're going to play Josh Jackson as like a, you know, ball handling wing or a, or a shooting guard, he's going to have to be able to work in the pick and roll too. And I just don't know if, I mean, I think actually in his metrics, he is very horrendous as a pick and roll player. And again, I know it's college and like you have to take some certain stuff into context and how much is like a forward and at Kansas running the pick and roll. But it was something like 0.57 points per possession he has in the pick and roll, which is just kind of scary to me. Um, I know he ha- he projects really poorly. And again, I know all this stuff can change, but currently he projects really poorly as like a as a contested jump shooter, like he, he shot really well uncontested, but as a contested jump shooter projected really poorly. And with the closeout speeds of guys on the perimeter in the NBA, that's a concern to me. And if Josh Jackson had a jump shot, I think this draft would look a lot different, but the reality is he doesn't. And so you're banking that he becomes like Andrew Wiggins as opposed to where he sort of develops a semi-consistent jumper in the first few years, as opposed to like justice Winslow, where he showed flashes of being able to be a semi-decent shooter. And then he got to the NBA and it just like, it hasn't clicked so far. So, and I know he has like other skills that make him more dynamic than justice Winslow. I'm not trying to say they're the same player. I'm just saying like in terms of shooting, that's a big concern for me. Our team really, really needs shooting and although I'm like intrigued by the versatility of playing Ingram potentially at the four one day when he gains like 30 pounds and um, Josh Jackson at the three, I just, I don't know that that we, that we have enough like creativity and, and ball handling and court vision and, and, uh, and all that on the floor at the same, at the same time, I think between Ingram and D'Angelo and Josh Jackson, you would have three guys who are all pretty good at those things, but 
we have a potential to take one guy who like that's his forte is just like getting shots for other people and knowing how to work the floor without the ball. And I don't know if we know Josh Ashland can do that. And I don't want to throw this into because I don't know the full circumstances of this, but the fact that he had to, you know, he had those like issues in college or allegedly he has some character concerns. It's, I'm not saying that's you don't draft him just because of that, but if you're gonna if you're alleging that you're trying to build this new culture with like good people and and all this and that, I think you have to factor that kind of stuff in, and you have to like really, really, really thoroughly vet that um, background. That's not something you can just like brush off. Like if you're gonna be talking about Lavar Ball all day, you know Lonzo Ball's dad, you you have to factor in stuff that Josh Jackson himself has like personally done. And I know people make mistakes or whatever, but Again, when you're drafting that high, that's just the nature of the beast. You have to you have to consider that stuff. Sure. My question to you though is with regards to shooting, how would you view him if he hadn't gotten on that hot streak from three point land to close the season? Because in my opinion, again, like what else could he have done to improve his shooting? He shot forty percent. Would it have? Is it just because his shot looks wonky to you that you're not believing that, or there wasn't enough makes or attempts? Because I feel like, well, he did what people asked him to do. What what else could he have done? Yeah, I mean, I get that. I, I definitely get that. But I, I just feel like, in again, like Justice Winslow coming out of, and I, I just, I, for some reason, I compare them because they're kind of like strong, you know, wing type players that I, Justice Winslow could handle the ball a little bit when he was a Duke. It, it looked like, um, but anyway, Justice Winslow shot like forty two percent as a freshman at Duke from three. And despite that, shooting was viewed as like a huge weakness of his. Um, Josh Jackson shoots okay when he's wide open. He's like, I think, um, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you know, if you follow like Laker Film Room and and Cranjus uh, McBasketball and all those guys, like they'll they'll post these stats from time to time. But uncontested, like corner threes, fine. He does he does just fine. But he is like horrendous taking contested jumpers, taking jump shots off the dribble, um, coming off of a pick and roll. It's just like, those are the types of things that it's not to say those things are unfixable and like, yeah, he did significantly improve, but I don't know. Lonzo ball shot like 41% from three as a college player. He only shot like, I don't know, 4% or whatever better, 3% better than Josh Jackson when it's all said and done. But when you look at like the actual like analytics of how Lonzo Ball was like, he was in the 95th percentile shooting, you know, or 90 plus percentile shooting contested jumpers. That is a huge factor to me because at the NBA level, all of your shots are contested jumpers. Like it's even what we consider quote unquote, like wide open uncontested corner three pointers a lot of those are contested still by like college standards. You know what I mean? It's like guys are slower in college and Josh Jackson's not going to just be able to camp there and like get his weird, like, you know, jump into a rhythm shot. I just, he hasn't proven to me consistently that he is going to be a viable threat taking a jump shot off the dribble or hitting a contested jump shot. And again, it's not to say he'll never develop that stuff. And if he does develop that stuff, he's going to be a really scary player. I just don't know if I'm like ready to commit to another guy who's going to be a shooting project. And although he hit some open threes at the end of the year and and really boosted his percentage a lot, I I just am not convinced that I'm not convinced that that shot um, 
is going to work for him in the NBA. Nothing to do with his form or anything. I just, I just don't think he's a good shooter. And we're just seeing like another example of sometimes college shooting numbers lie a little bit. Sure. Okay, Alan, I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to be foreign to you. And I'm going to ask you to play devil's advocate for Josh Jackson in a second, because I don't feel like we're doing a good job of being objective and (laughs) getting people prepared because Josh Josh Jackson might be the pick. And if he is, we're all going to be losing our shit. Um, So before I get to you, though, you know, Tommy brought up the point about in the finals, you know, you need shooting and whatnot. But I think other people would also argue, well, the finals also showed that you don't need a center, a traditional center, and that you can have a bunch of wings out there. And it's never a bad thing to have a bunch of wings. You know, this also goes to Dan's point about, well, how does he fit, especially if we get Paul George? Well, my thing is, look at the Golden State Warriors. And look, it's not apples to apples because you got Kevin Durant, like, top two best player in the world over there and you got LeBron James on the other end but at the same time they had guys like Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala guys who don't really shoot and I know Steph Curry and Clay are there to help that out but these are three wings pretty much on Golden State Draymond Green playing center that you can interchangeably use and really cause havoc because of the the defensive switchability Um, Draymond Green being able to hold his ground against a guy like Tristan Thompson and the fact that the Cleveland doesn't play a traditional center as well And it's been shown, you know, over pretty much the last 20, 30 years that it's a wing-dominated kind of league in terms of getting to the championship, getting to the playoffs. It's not dominated by point guards. So I just wanted to bring that point up because it can be argued the other way in terms of if we look at the finals, there's a whole bunch of wings and you can, you know, interchangeably use all those guys because they're so versatile. And Josh Jackson next to Brandon Ingram would be freaking scary, you know? And the one thing that, that Josh Jackson would bring is intensity. So I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, I mean, I remember last year you and I were talking about every single championship team over the last however many decades and all of them, except for maybe one, and I don't remember which squad it was, had one of those elite three and D wings. And I know like the three and D wing has been become this in vogue uh, kind of label over the last several years. But going back to the 90s and even further, like every single team had that lockdown guy. And if Josh Jackson can become that guy, well, that is an incredibly integral piece. And, you know, if we want to look at other players who, you know, maybe weren't projected to be very good shooters and then did improve, um, I mean, Draymond Green is by no means like a knockdown clutch uh, consistent shooter mm-hmm. or anything like that. But if you look at his numbers at Michigan State and then rookie year, second year, it was complete garbage <laughs> from the perimeter. And now, like, again, he's not reliable, but to a degree, you can like count on him to make a few timely shots. And his shot is ugly as heck, dude. It, it's pretty whack. Yeah. Uh, Kawhi Leonard's another good example. He was not a very good shooter when he first came in the league. I don't remember what his free throw percentage was exactly, because we use that as an indicator a lot of times of how great a shooter is going to be. But when he came in the league, I want to say it was like in the 60s. And now it's all the way up into the 80s or whatever. And clearly he worked his butt off so he could become a good shooter. And we've heard about what a competitor Josh Jackson is and how high of a standard he holds himself to personally. So, you know, we talk a lot about Lonzo's intangibles and his leadership. And yes, Josh Josh Jackson sounds like he has some character issues, some, you know, mistakes he's made in the past. At the same time, from a competitive spirit standpoint, it sounds like he checks all of those boxes where he is constantly competing with himself and all he wants to do is improve. So you, you have to figure like, Maybe his shot is fixable just based on his work ethic um, and how badly he wants to be a game changer. So, 
that would be my argument for him. And then, I mean, the athleticism and things like that, we don't even have to talk about it. It's pretty in your face. Um, so yeah, that's, that would be me playing devil's advocate. Very well done. All right. Can so, I say one other yeah, thing though to counter, counteract that? So you, you asked Tommy, <laughs> like, just to bring it back to Lonzo, cause we have to do it. Um, <laughs> you were like, so what else could he have done to, you know, he improved his shooting from this percentage to that, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess what he could have done in the big picture was just be a good shooter the entire time like Lonzo. Sure. Right. Yeah, so yeah, he absolutely improved and he did everything that was asked of him from that point. But it would have been great if he had just been a good shooter from the beginning, you know? So the small sample size thing comes into effect. And plus, like, how far were those three-pointers that he was taking? If they're short corner threes, I mean, they're even shorter in college than the NBA, whereas Lonzo is taking them from beyond three-point range in college games. So that comparison, like, give him credit, of course, for improving, but you got to look specifically at, like, where was he shooting them from and then... How long did that little stretch last for? Let me let me jump on this train too. Um, <laughs> what you guys are talking, I looked this up, but Jackson only took 93s last year while Lonzo took, what is it, 194. And so mm-hmm. the percentages, yeah, they, they, they do speak, but I mean, Lonzo was shooting at, a, you know, more threes. And so I'd say at a higher clip. That's something that can really stretch the four. Um, yeah, just want to throw that in there. Go no, yeah. <laughs> this is the Lonzo Legacy Podcast, after all. <laughs> um, okay, so I think that'll pretty much do it for us. You know, I think this will be the penultimate episode before the draft, and I think we should keep it that way because there's so much noise going around that it makes sense to just wait for the actual substantial evidence and news to talk about. But before we go, I guess I wanted to go around and ask you guys, how are we feeling before the draft? What are we thinking about what Palink and Magic have done so far? Um, yeah, if, if anything, should we give them credit for keeping us on our toes and making things interesting? Dan, I think you touched upon this earlier. Yeah, but how are you feeling leading into this particular draft? Man, whatever Magic did to get the number two spot, bless <laughs> him. That's, I mean, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Like, it's either Fonz or Lonzo or, I mean, please not Josh, Josh Jackson. But you know what I'm saying? Like, we're yeah. in a good spot. I'm I'm pretty happy. Cool. Uh, Tommy, what about you? How are you feeling? Is it going to be status quo or are we going to, are we in for some surprises? I think it's going to be status quo. I think we're going to just take the pick at number two. I think whoever we take, I'm going to assume we have really good scouts. So I'm going to assume whoever we take, they have thoroughly vetted this guy and they, they know that this is the guy and maybe he won't end up being a superstar, but he'll probably be better than whoever goes number three. So I'm going to be happy regardless. I just personally, I hope it's Lonzo. Alan. Uh, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat for sure as Tommy. Um, I'm, I'm nervous. I think I'm, I'm actually a little <laughs> more nervous than I was before though, as indicated by my 57%, which I now want to jump up to 70, just make myself feel better. But, uh, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm pretty nervous actually. I don't know. I was feeling so sure of it like a week ago. Um, if I had to bet, I uh, clearly, I would still say we take Lonzo. If we don't take him though, and it isn't Fultz, and it is Josh Jackson, I think I'm going to give one of those, like, ah, kind of reactions for the first 30 minutes. <laughs> and then after that, you know, just rely on our front office that, like Tommy said, they did their work. They know more than we do. They're smarter than us. And uh, 
just hope that it all works out. And, you know, had we gotten the number three pick instead, we would be head over heels over Josh Jackson at this point. So True. Um, we can always spin it that way. Uh, we'll, we'll pick ourselves right back up if Josh oh, Jackson we'll be ends we'll up be being fine. a pick somehow. Uh, He's not going to be a bust. We'll put it that way. No, He'll no, be a, sure. gr- a very good player. For sure. All right. So, yeah, before we go, though, Dan, in your personal opinion, and I'll just leave this question to you. Is there a particular direction you'd like the Lakers to go in this next year or two? Do you want them to stand pat and kind of embrace the full young core, flash the progress mode, trust the process? Or do you think they need to start making some moves to start building a competitive team, whether that means, you know, trying as best as they can to trade for Paul George without gutting the team? Or do you want them to this next year, make this the last, you know, building block year and then in free agency, try and get Paul George on board or whoever else. But do you feel like that, like there's also some sort of a sense of what's urgency that the Lakers need to have to be start becoming a competitive team once again? Or are you fine with trusting the process? I, I, I really hope that the Lakers don't rush anything. I mean, we've this is what year three, four of of rebuilding, and so I mean, what's another year? I, I, I don't think the Lakers should gut for Paul George. I mean, he's an aging super. Yes, he's a superstar. I would rather try to build this core, and you never know what's gonna happen in two years. Or I, I really think stick with the plan that says superstars will be attracted to a good core, to a good young core. I mean, if you look at the Warriors, they're set up for the next three, four years because they built from the ground up. They didn't try to, you know, chase after the the shiniest thing on the market. And so what's another year is what I say. I'm really excited. I, I, I personally have a lot of fun watching the young guys run around and, and lose games. Like, <laughs> I, I say that sarcastically, but that's more interesting to me than the Lakers – having the thought of them having to go up against the Cavs or the Warriors for the next two years. And so, yeah, let's build this up slowly. Cool. All right. Does anybody else have anything to say before we close this out? Alan, Tommy? Go Lonzo. (laughs) (laughs) I can't contain myself. Hey, that's fair. All right. With that said, thank you guys for listening. Once again, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us. Dan, please plug your rock star band once again before we go. Yeah, man. Run River North, please check us out. Um, we're all Asian. And <laughs> if you're Asian, please listen to us because <laughs> we're trying to make it in a white man's world. <laughs> no, but for real, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's it for me. Cool. Dan, since we now have two podcasts in a row with uh, Korean Americans, mm. who's the next Korean American we should reach out to <laughs> to continue this streak? You got to get Mike Wang on, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right. Maybe we should, for sure. All right. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys later. Alan, Tommy, Dan, peace. See you guys. Later. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. 
which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi! Did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi! You have high cholesterol! Hi! You're fine! And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi! There's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at LittletonCoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at LittletonCoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.